Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and today's episode, we are back with Joel Maturi in the second part of our conversation with the former University of Minnesota's Director of Athletics. I'm excited for you guys to hear the rest of Joel's incredible journey through the sport industry. If you have not yet, go listen to part one of this episode as you don't want to miss out on Joel's story in its entirety. Without further ado, let's jump into part two of Joel Maturi's journey through the sport industry. And he talked about Miami of Ohio. Um, and just kind of share with us a little bit what the difference was between Denver and Miami of Ohio and kind of what uh, that transition was like for you. Well, for me, it was a great fit. Um, first of all, they were pretty good. They had a guy at quarterback named Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. He wasn't too bad. And they got a guy named at basketball a guy by a guy named uh, Wally Zerbiak. He was pretty good too. So yeah. I, I came at a pretty good time. Yeah, they were very successful athletically. Um, and one of the favorite my favorite comments uh, so much, especially about the Power Five schools, mm-hmm. is that Miami didn't have enough money to do it wrong. Yeah. Um, and you talk about the butlers of the world or whatever it is. They'd like to do more, but they can't. Right. They, they don't have those have those kinds of funds. Yeah. And and so as a result. Um, you know, I would tell my coach, you know what, I don't, have, I can't charter. We're going to have to go commercial, and they'd say, okay, I understand. Well, that yeah. doesn't happen at this power five level. Let me tell you. And right. so, from that standpoint, um, you really could get close to the athletes. You really could um, be a part of their lives even more so at at the next level, so mm-hmm. to speak, because it gets so much of a business aspect to, to it and fundraising aspect to it that just doesn't end yeah. uh, at, at, at the par five level. Lots of positives about it. Don't misread that. Totally. I enjoyed my time at Minnesota and we'll, totally. we'll get to that, I'm sure. But but the difference at uh, at um, uh, Miami, it was an established school. Yeah. Um, lots of success. Cradle mm-hmm. of coaches, as it's termed. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, another quick side-by story, which maybe your, your students will get a smile over. <laughs> again, the, the names don't mean much because we're old, but... Um, Bo Schembechler, who became an unbelievable successful yeah. coach at uh, Michigan, yeah. was a Miami grad oh, wow. uh, and head coach there before he went to Michigan. And they had changed the name from the Miami Redskins to the Miami Redhawks just as I came. Yeah. Okay, so it's just just as I came. Yeah. And so they had a reu- my first week on the job. I'm there one week. They had a reunion of one of their football teams, which. Coach uh, Shebecker was a part of, I think, as an athlete. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, whatever bowl they had played in, you know, many, many years before that. And so he knew me from my Wisconsin days. Yeah. And so he's 
jogs across the room and he says, Maturi, I'll never be an effing redskin. He didn't say effing. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I said, I'll never be an effing uh, redhawk. I'll always be an effing redskin. I said, Coach, you can be what you want. He said, that's okay. You can be what you want. But I learned from that experience too. Yeah. And at our first event at um, Miami, first football game was at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And we had a big tailgate type reception you know, prior to the game at North Carolina. And I said to them, you know, I don't care if you're a Redskin or if you're a Red Hawk, we are Miami. Yeah. And it became my chant. And I brought that to Minnesota because I'm the first AD of the men and the women. And I said, we are Minnesota. And so it's kind of been my yeah. my bailiwick of we are. And and, uh, and yeah. I, I buy into that. It goes back to that relationship. It goes back to what do we have in common, not do we have differences. And and uh, um, Miami, there is so much in common. It's a, a great academic school, mm-hmm. great small little school, 15,000 students in a 10,000 you know, community. It, yeah. just, it really is the yeah. the schools. You know, the university is the town. The towns the towns the university. So there's yeah. a lot of positives and and uh, had great staff, good people, uh, had success athletically, academically, and yeah. and um, never thought I'd leave. I, I never thought I'd leave because I was really happy there. Yeah, absolutely. And you did actually leave, and and your your next destination was a homecoming uh, of sorts. You made you return home to the state of Minnesota as a director of athletics at the University of Minnesota and kind of share with us uh, how that opportunity came about for you and what you did to prepare for a really paramount role. I never thought I'd leave, as I mentioned. I had told my chancellor uh, or president, I think the term is at Miami, um, that I would, if I ever left, because they had some turnover, I said I would only leave for Notre Dame, my alma mater, Wisconsin, where I spent time, or Minnesota, my home state, never thinking any of them would open. Um, And uh, I actually uh, had been on the job one or two years uh, at Miami, mm-hmm. when Minnesota contacted me and asked me if I would be interested in being the director of men's athletics, because yeah. they were two departments, yeah. and they had had the academic scandal. Again, you got to be older to know what I'm talking about. But in, yeah. in the uh, in the late '90s, uh, Minnesota had some real serious issues. Their Final Four visit was taken away. The it was it was an ugly time in in, yeah. in go for athletics, and yeah. the AD was dismissed, and the Vice president was dismissed. Another there, there were there were lots of lots of problems. Yeah, and I uh, politely said I I had no interest in being an athletic director of half a department. Yeah, um, right. That's not who I am. That's this didn't fit my bailiwick. I was honored to have been asked, and I said to them, never thinking it would happen. I said, well, you know what? If you ever if you ever combine the programs, I might be interested because it is yeah. my home state. Yeah. Never thinking it would happen. Right. Two years later, uh, the board of regents made a decision to merge the two departments. Um, and uh, they opened it up, and I remember I got a call from a search firm uh, who they had hired uh, saying that I had been nominated. They had had my name from the previous uh, opening at the men's, but yeah. would I be interested? And I said to them, I said, you know what, um, I am because it's my home state, but I'm involved in a capital campaign here at, at uh, Miami. I can't do this publicly. And, and um, you know, if that's, if that's going to happen... Um, uh, you know, then I won't go and because, again, I was very happy with where I was. And they said, yeah. well, you know what? There's going to be a process. We're going to get this down to 20 and then bring maybe seven or eight to have phone interviews and bring in three to four for an interview process. I'll tell you what. If I make it to the final five, I'll, I'll tell my chancellor or my president. And, uh, you know, it again becomes public. I can handle that because yeah. it is par five. People don't understand. But yeah. I don't want to do it before that time. Right. No problem. You have to understand, this was, you're talking June 20th. Um, 
And I remember that date because for lots of reasons. Well, the next Monday, I get a call from the head of the committee to kind of do a quick interview on the phone. Yeah. The next day, that Tuesday, I get a call from um, the assistant to the chancellor at, at the University of Minnesota, the president of the University of Minnesota, and, and do kind of a phone interview real quickly. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, boy, they got to their 20 pretty quickly and getting yeah. it down to whatever it might be. But I said, okay, I didn't think twice about it. It didn't mean much to me. And I said, I need to, you need to know that the next week now, um, now it's you know, June 27th or 28th, I said, I'm going to be leaving for northern Minnesota, um, my high school class reunion, uh, not class reunion, but all class reunions. Yeah. A lot of schools, small towns do that. They're having an all class reunion. I'm going to go back. I'm from northern Minnesota, so I'm going to go back, visit family and, and, and others as well. And I'm going to be up there for a week. So if, you know, we had cell phones by that time, I said, this is what it is. Well, I'm driving to northern Minnesota with my wife, and I get a call from um, uh, the head of the search committee saying uh, that they were apologetic. And they said, well, what are you apologetic? Now, again, Sid Hartman, a person who was a famous sports writer here in, yeah. in the Twin Cities, yeah. um, had it in the paper that Jim Livengood, at that time the athletic director at the University of Arizona, and Joel Maturi uh, were the two finalists for the job uh, at the University of Minnesota. And so I said to them, what? Where are you with your, you know, I mean, I haven't told my president or anything. I mean, nobody knows I'm going through this process. Right. And again, everything happens for a reason. I'm not, I really believe, had I still been in Oxford, Ohio, or the city of Miami, I think I would have declined. Yeah. Because I wouldn't do that to anybody. Right. But I'm driving in the car, and my wife says to me, you know, you know, you're at that time whatever I am, uh, how old I am, 52 or something of that nature. She says, if, or, or maybe 57 even by that time, I said... If you're going to ever go to the next level, now's the time that maybe you want to do it. It is your home state, all that. Yeah. Let's go through the process. So I called my president, shared it with him. He was very understanding, very good. They asked me to stop in St. Paul and to interview on my way up down to northern yeah. Minnesota. All this yeah. thing happened so quickly. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a sport coat. Heck, I'm going up to northern Minnesota over the 4th of July. Right. Uh, again, things happen so quickly. Yeah. Um, and uh, did an interview. And as I'm driving up to northern Minnesota after the interview, I get a phone call and they offer me the job. Wow. That's how quickly it happened. Um, I think there was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Men and women. Um, neither side wanted to merge. The men didn't want it. Wow. The women didn't want it. Wow. Um, a lot of people internally were wondering what's going to happen. And I think they felt that they needed to do it quickly uh, to get yeah. it done. My guess is, and I say this honestly, not humbly, I think Jim Livengood probably withdrew. They ran out of names and I was yeah. the last man standing, so to speak. Uh, but I, I was from Minnesota, which I think helped. I was in the Big Ten at Wisconsin, I think helped. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Notre Dame grad. I think that was a positive um, Actually, the chair of the search committee's brothers went to Notre Dame. So all those kind of little things that sometimes yeah. fit, I think, made yeah. a difference for me. Totally. And um, I, uh, I, you know, to let, you know, decided to come and uh, never regretted it. So it's, it, it, was, it was a good 10-year journey uh, that I had here as a director of athletics at the, at the University of Minnesota. Wow. And I, I really love you sharing the process, I think, for our students hearing what that is like. And really that it isn't always pretty, right? It, it, it's an always easy, um, but a very, very cool story to hear 
um, just how that worked out for you. And really, at the end of the day, sometimes things do just come uh, sort of fall on your lap in, in, in a weird way. And I think that kind of goes back to what you said earlier. And it, God does have a plan. He does. Um, and, and, it, and it works out for, for his glory and really for the good of us as well. So I think it's a great testimony to that. Yeah, you know what? No, there have been so many kind of things that have, that have happened along the way. And, you know, when you do 25 years of college athletics, 20 years as a high school coach, mm-hmm. and some of it as an administrator, you know, there, there are many lessons that you learn. And I, I think you learn from mistakes and you learn from, you know, sometimes you don't know why you win. You usually know why you lose. Yeah. You know, and, and the same totally. thing is true in decision making. Yeah, yeah. And I try to... To, to learn every step of the way and, and become better at what I did. And somebody also decide how, how, how successful I was. But because uh, it's an inexact science, whether it be yeah. hiring people, whether it be putting them in the right position, um, you know, but you need to learn. And yeah. one of the things I did learn from Coach Parsegian, you know, my freshman year, I told you we were two and seven. Yeah. Um, Era's first year, we were nine and one. Wow. We went from two and seven to nine and one. That's impressive. Not only was our class able to play with some talent, but he took seven starters from the you know, 1963 team, and changed positions. Wow. You know, so, you know, it, it just made a difference. A guy by the name of Jack Snow was a halfback, became an all-pro wide receiver, all-American, the only year he played. Wow. His senior year he played uh, wide receiver at Notre Dame, then became an all-pro. But he was a halfback wow. before that. Those kinds of changes. And yeah. I tried to learn that as a coach and also as an athletic administrator. Yeah. And when I came here, we had two departments. People have to understand it was completely separate. Yeah. They had separate training rooms, separate strength rooms, separate equipment rooms, separate staffs. Wow. Never had meetings together. Separate policies and procedures. Separate athletic directors. Wow. Separate assistant athletic directors. And wow. so I had to merge. We had to merge all of that. It wasn't me. It was, it was us that that we did it. Yeah. And I think those things that I learned. Um, you know, assisted me in understanding that we are Minnesota. Yeah. It isn't about the men. It isn't about the women. Right. We are here together. And I think we succeeded because the athletes loved it. Yeah. Um, I remember our, our football coach, Glenn Mason, who was a wonderful coach and, and, and a good person. I remember him telling me, we're not going to have any women in our weight room. I said, coach, we're going to have women in our weight room. Yeah. You know, that's just part of the deal. Totally. And I said, you know what? Your athletes will lift more than they ever left, lifted because they want to impress those young ladies who yeah. are looking down the way, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> and and I really believe that's the case. And the kids were the kids love seeing each other in the weight room. Absolutely. They love seeing each other in the training room. They love doing things together that they never did at Minnesota, totally. which was so common at other institutions. And so I think because of the athletes, then the coaches started accepting it, and then hopefully the boosters and the donors as well. And and uh, you know we, we got it done, um, yeah. and 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 very proud of that. Very proud yeah. of it. And probably the thing I'm most proud of, in all honesty, is people forgot that we were separate. And that's probably the best compliment of it all. They don't realize that you know we weren't always like this. Yeah. Um, but for lots of reasons, we we've combined, we've merged, and 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 Minnesota has a, you know pretty good athletic program now, and it tremendous does. academics, and it tremendous does. involvement in the community um, uh, with service projects with the student athletes. Um, and, and we developed all that, and, and uh, so it's it's good to be a part of it. Yeah, that's amazing, and I think it's definitely something to be proud of in yeah. terms of in terms of that success there. And Joe, a lot of our students are uh, seeking to work in athletic administration at the collegiate level. Uh, share with us, you know, combining all your experience, combining all your stories, your time at all these different institutions. What is some advice you would give a young professional uh, in their 18 to 26 years old that is seeking that career in, in college administration? Great question, and, and I get it often uh, when I'm still involved. And, and really, in many ways, we've answered it, but I'll repeat it. Number one, 
do as much as you can. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned how that benefited me. I mean, I, I don't care where you are in your position, whether you have to volunteer, whether you have to intern, whether you get a small paying position, whether, you know, here in Minnesota, we're hosting the women's final four this year. I don't yeah. know what positions there are, but if there's a young man in this community, find out the committee here and tell them you're going to volunteer, You'll yeah. volunteer, whatever it is, because yeah. it could still go on your resume. You know, okay. you don't have yeah. to say volunteer, worked at the NCAA women's final four. Yeah. That's something. Or if, you're, if your institution is hosting whatever it might be. So yeah. get involved, you know, that aspect. And then the other yeah. aspect, which is important, is the relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, again, I taught for three years after I left the AD job here at yep. the University in Sports Management, and I would tell the students, okay, somebody's going to meet the, Bo Ryan was still coaching at the Wisconsin, I said, somebody's going to meet the Wisconsin basketball bus, get the kids down to the locker room, you know, that's what you do, you show them where to go, blah, 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 I said, you make sure you meet Coach Ryan, you make sure you introduce yourself, and you just tell him, you respect what he's done at Wisconsin, blah, 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 and then after the game, if their team wins, if Wisconsin wins, you send them a note telling him how impressed you were with the team, blah, blah, blah. Or if the Gophers were fortunate enough to beat him, you send them a note saying, oh, the Gophers played really well, but really impressed with your kids. Because you know what? Next year, there might be a job at Wisconsin. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you can go back and write Coach Ryan and say, hey, I hear there's a job at Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, would you mind you know, putting a good word in for me? Well, yeah. Coach will remember you if you were good to him, if you were helpful to him, if you're doing all those things. It's about relationships. It is. Because every job you get, there's 100 applications. Oh, yeah. What's going to separate you yeah. from the others? Yeah. You know, maybe you're better at certain things, but what's going to separate it? And, and I think it's your ability to do a lot of things. It's your ability to have relationships, uh, you know, that people could see that yeah. you, especially in this, this the profession that we're involved in and so on and so forth, totally. and your willingness to, to do what it takes to, to, you know, to be successful. And uh, I think faith-based helps. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you can share that more strongly in others, depending on where you are and what you're yeah. talking about. But people know the life that you live and the, and the person that you are. And... Um, and uh, you know the willingness, and I think that you, you know, when you write that cover letter, you want to convince them that you're the right person, you know, yeah. you're, and this is why. And you need to do homework about the people who are interviewing you if you can. You need to homework about the place that you're going to be going to, yeah, and so forth. Because when I would get letters, let's face it, they're probably form letters. I understand that, <laughs> but I've received them where they had the wrong institution. Mm. You know, because it's a form letter and they didn't correct it. Yeah. That person could have been great. I put them in the no pile because yeah. I get a hundred of them. Right. I got to find somebody who's that that perfect fit. So yeah. try to per- personalize it as much as you possibly can, uh, and, and learn about, like I said, that individual that's interviewing you. You know that he or she has two children, or you know that he or she graduated from so and so. When you interview with him or her. You say something that, oh, he did his homework or she did his homework. Yeah. They know what's going on. Yeah. It sounds crazy, but those little things make the difference totally. for you to make that next yeah. step. And then when you get that first job, um, you just got to do it better than anybody else because that's going to lead to your second job. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, just kind of what it amounts to. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe the second job at that same institution or same organization, whatever it might be. But, but chase your dreams, enjoy the journey, stay the yeah. course. Absolutely. You make tremendous points there. I think uh, our students can truly learn from your story, but also the advices and, and pieces to take home from uh, those stories. So we appreciate that so much. And uh, Joel, thanks for sharing uh, your story today. Uh, it's inspiring, like I said, and I'm really excited to see the impact that it will have on the next generation of Christ-centered leaders. Well, no, if I may, when I conclude, uh, what I do when I speak all the time, uh, mm-hmm. my name is Joel Maturi. M-A-T-U-R-I is how you spell my last name. 
my email is maturi, M-A-T-U-R-I, at U-M-N, University of Minnesota, maturi at U-M-N.edu. And if anybody has any questions for me, go ahead and email me. I will gladly give you my best answer. I, I don't have any secret formulas here, but, but uh, again, I'm old, and with age comes some experience, and with some experience comes some wisdom. Not necessarily intelligent, but some wisdom. And, and uh, I, I'd be glad to share that with anybody out there who, who might want to reach out and touch base, and, and if I can assist in any way for you on your journey, because people assisted me on mine. Joel, we appreciate that. I know our students will appreciate you allowing them to reach out. It means a lot. It means a lot. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sports industry as followers of Christ, apply for our training experience on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch this new series of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God and whatever you may do. See you next week. 